0: Continuing on in our sermon series, Experiencing God. My name is Joel Florin, I'm an elder here at Real Life, and we've we've been looking through the seven realities of experiencing God, and as we've gone through these passages in the Bible, these stories in the Bible, we see this pattern emerge of how God chooses to interact with us, that these seven realities actually represent the pattern with which God uh, engages with people. And uh, just to recap, the first three realities we've talked about so far, the first one is that God is always at work around us. The second one is that God uh, pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. And the third is that uh, God invites us to become involved in his work. So the fourth one today is the the one we're going to be talking about, and that's that God speaks Uh, by the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances in the church in order to convey himself, uh, to reveal himself, to reveal uh, his purposes, and to reveal his ways. Uh, Today we're going to be focusing on the first two ways in which God speaks to us through the Bible and through prayer, and and I have to admit that this is a tough topic for me. I, I I struggle with whether or not I'm even the right guy to be up here talking about this. Um, And I'd imagine that probably all of us in the room have struggled with the question at some point in our lives, how do we hear God's voice? How do we even know that it's actually God speaking to us? How do we understand his will for our lives? And I think that we've, as, as a generation of people that have grown up trying to Figure this, the answer out to that, we've, we've fallen back to this kind of formula for hearing God's voice. And uh, it looks something like this uh, number one, we come up with a plan with something we want to do for God. And the second thing is that we, we pray about it and we ask God to bless it. And then the third thing is that we go and we execute that plan, we, we carry it out. And um, you know, it, it's not a bad way, I guess, of on about it, but we, I think we have to actually ask the question, does this match up with the biblical pattern? Because the, the Bible is the pattern with which we know that God relates to us. So if we look at what the Bible has to say about plans, it says this, that the Lord frustrates the plans of the nations. He thwarts all their schemes, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. In Proverbs, it says that you can make many plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. I don't necessarily think that it's saying that it's bad to make plans. I think God wants us in certain scenarios to make plans. Uh, But I think at the end of the day, uh, that this passage is saying that God's going to do what God's going to do. If that's the case, then I think that we need to... um, ask the question, how do we involve ourselves in what God's doing? How do we align ourselves with his plan? Well, I think looking at the biblical pattern, we can see that I think it looks something like this, where number one, it says we we see that God takes the initiative to reach out to his servants. Number two, that God reveals his specific plans with clarity. Number three, God invites his servants to participate in his plan, and then finally God accomplishes his plan with or without his servants. I think we look at the different stories in the Bible as we see example after example of this pattern reveal itself. Think about the story of Noah and, and Abraham and Moses. If we read through those stories, if you're not familiar with them, I'd encourage you to go find them out. This pattern shows up throughout these guys' lives. I think it should cause us to evaluate, does this pattern show up in my life? If I'm honest, not all the time. I think I struggle most often with step number two, that I don't feel like God actually reveals his plan to me with specificity or clarity. But how do we get step number 2 to be a reality in our lives. These guys, the start in these stories in the Bible, these guys they didn't question if it was God talking to them. They didn't question what God was saying to them. They might have had questions about whether or not they could trust God's plan, but they knew what he was saying. They they knew with clarity what he was asking them to do. How do we get that to be a reality in our lives? I think uh, you know, I wonder if these guys had something special about them that, that, that I'm not capable of having. But I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think that these guys were ordinary human beings just like you and me, and that, that, that we actually have the ability to have the same kind of clarity. But how do we go about doing that? I think that Jesus gives us some clues uh, to find the answer for this. He says, so there's a story in John that talks about how Jesus is kind of in this altercation with the Pharisees and they're arguing and the Pharisees are accusing Jesus of breaking the Sabbath. And so Jesus' reply, he says this, my father is always at work. Well, reality number one, right? And so am I. So the Jesus leaders tried all, the, sorry, the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to, to find a way to kill him they not only he not only broke the sabbath but he called God his father thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. Well, what does the father show the son? Everything he's doing. I think we need to note something about Jesus and the Father. How close were they? Well, they're one, right? They're the same person. You don't really get closer than being the same person, right? I think Jesus' ability to see the Father at work is directly correlated with his relationship. Is oneness with, with the Father, but I think if we continue and look at what Paul has to say about us in this story in First Corinthians, he says this. Well, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Well, if the Spirit of God lives in you, then you're one with the Spirit, right? But if you're one with the Spirit, that means you're one with Jesus. But if you're one with Jesus, that means you're actually one with the Father. Remember, what does the Father want to show Jesus? He wants to show him everything he's doing. So what does that mean about what God wants to show you? I think he wants to show you everything he's doing. If you're like me, maybe you've called yourself a Christian for a long time, and and you're sitting here and thinking, that that's not been my experience with God. I don't necessarily feel like God's wanted to show me everything that he's doing. Well, just listen to what Jesus has to say about it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me also. There's more than enough room in my Father's house. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. We listen to how Thomas replies to what Jesus is saying here, you can hear the frustration in his voice. He says, no, we don't, Lord. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Well, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. And from now on, you do know. You do know him, and you have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and we're gonna be we'll be satisfied. Well, Jesus replies, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show you the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Well, We can see in the story that even the disciples struggled. These are guys that walked with literally God in the flesh for three years and they didn't know who was talking to them. They didn't recognize that it was actually God speaking to them. I think in Je- what Jesus is saying in this passage, he's saying, by virtue, by, by virtue of us spending time together, of hanging out, eating together, talking, walking together, of our relationship with one another, that you should know it's actually God who's speaking to you. The clarity of God's voice comes from a daily, intimate relationship with God. Well, honestly, I think it would be easier if God just gave us that formula, right? To get him to tell us what he wants. You know, and then I could just kind of listen to him and then go on with what I had planned for the day, right? I mean, it's why I like first service, because... Uh, you know, I can make it in home time for kickoff, right? You, know. and you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Well, relationships are hard. They take work, they take effort, they take time. And sometimes you spend a lot of time working on them and you feel like you're not even moving forward with this person. I, I don't think a relationship with God is any different than that. I think a relationship with God is a process that takes a lot of intentionality. This goes back to reality number two, that God pursues a continued love relationship with you that is real and personal, and I think also practical. Can you describe your relationship with God as real and practical and personal? Maybe you're not even sure if it's worth it all the effort that we put into this. Maybe you're not even sure you can trust God. We should know that God's pursuing you and God invites you to find out. But how do we start? Well, I think the first step is that an intimate love relationship with God requires that we spend daily time in the text. No, it's, easy for me to stand up here and say, you should read your Bible every day. But it's another thing to actually do that, to make it a reality. There's a lot of things that are competing for our attention every day. There's a lot of things that are going against us to make this, make this a thing. Here are three things that, that I hear from people that I discourage them the most in making the Bible a priority. Number one, that... It's boring. Now, I can understand why people feel this way, but I'd have to challenge us on this. People think that the Bible is more like a G-rated children's book, but the reality is there's a lot of parts in there that read more like a a Game of Thrones episode. Uh, Not that anybody's watched that show, right? (laughs) There's stuff in there that, that my wife was telling me that I couldn't talk about up here. <laughs> well the, the, the Bible is it should be exciting to us, right? What could be more exciting than hearing from the creator of the universe? that he actually took time to compile this thing together to write the messages in there for us. I think it's worth investigating. Well the second thing is that, that keeps us from uh, making the Bible a priority is that it, it doesn't make sense. Again, I, I would have to agree with you in, in some places, and I know how you feel. There's a lot of parts in there that I've wrestled with for years, and I still don't understand what the heck it means. But I just want to throw out a couple of thoughts that maybe help us wrestle with this struggle. So first thing is that the, the Bible is written for us, but it's not actually written to us. that there's layers and layers of historical context that, that us on this side of history have to dig through. but we have, to, we have to sort through what is the actual message that Jesus is trying to convey in his words. It takes effort. This is a book that requires some tenacity, and if you want to find out what God has to say to you through it, you got to work. But I'd encourage you as you come across parts of the Bible that that don't make sense. This is these are things that have helped me as I've I've wrestled with these these parts that I struggle to understand. The first thing is, don't skip over the questions. Don't. If you come across things that don't make sense, like story, people in these stories, characters that, that maybe respond in really strange ways, they, they act in really weird, have really weird behaviors in the scenarios that they're in. Maybe it's even God who responds in weird ways. Don't skip over that. Lean into it. Ask the question. Go on the journey to find out. Wrestle with God over it. I would encourage you to engage with others in this, in this pursuit. Don't do this alone. Seek out people that are further along than you. The Bible is not a, a, a book that's meant to be read in isolation. It's actually meant to be wrestled with in community. The last Excuse that I hear of not making the Bible a priority is that I don't have time. Well, Blackaby says this people who struggle to spend time with God don't have a scheduling problem, they have a love problem. Ouch. Yeah. If you want a relationship with somebody, you've got to make time for it. This is where we have to make the decision is this something we are actually interested in? Is this something that we want? There's really no way around it. Letting the Bible be the primary way with, with, by which God speaks to you, that requires daily interaction with it. And I would say that if you don't spend time daily in the Word, your relationship with God will not grow. There's no way around it. And maybe you don't agree with me, but I'm speaking from my experience and season in my life when I've not engaged with the text on a daily basis or even watching other people go through these seasons. You simply don't grow. You, you don't move forward in your relationship with God because the Bible reveals patterns in our lives that don't align with God's character and his purposes. It presents us with the uncomfortable choice to either adjust our lives to the biblical pattern or stay where we're at. The other step that we can take in building our relationship with God is is to spend time in prayer. I'd say that an intimate relationship with God requires daily time spent in prayer. So I just wanted to talk through a couple of things that I've noticed about our culture and how we approach hearing the voice of God in prayer. The first thing is this. A lot of times our prayers kind of follow this pattern or some derivative of, you know, dear God— Bless my day. Help it to go well. Amen. You know, I, I don't think it's intentional, but, but I think what that boils down to is that we're actually trying to get God to align to the, our will, to, to our plans and what we want. And not that I think that God doesn't want to hear what we, what, what we long for, I think that God wants us to come with Him with the desires of our heart. But I also think that the biblical pattern for for prayer is is actually that if God's going to speak to us in our times of prayer, that it should be about us aligning ourselves to His plan, to His will. We think about what Jesus had to say when He was teaching the disciples how to pray. And He's teaching us how to pray. He says, to pray for God's kingdom to come on earth. How often do we pray for that? How often do I pray for that? Would I even recognize it if it happened? Prayer is not about aligning God with our needs or our wants, but about adjusting ourselves to God's character, His purposes, and His ways. And the other observation I have about, uh, about our culture and how we approach prayer and the voice of God, uh, so we often make this prayer that, that, that God would close doors or open doors based on his will. Now, I've prayed that. I don't necessarily think it's wrong either, but again, do we, do we see that it matches up with the biblical pattern? Remember, God wants to show us everything he's doing. Well, this doesn't seem like the most effective way to communicate clearly, does it? It's kind of like we're playing the hot-cold game with God, right? Can you imagine playing the hot-cold game with your spouse when you're trying to communicate over something important? I don't know, maybe some of you feel like you do, actually. If so, see me after service. I got a list of marriage counselors for you. Well, Blackaby says this: that the pattern of Scripture is that God always gives direction on the front end. If you think about the stories that are in the Bible of Noah building the ark, or or Solomon building the temple, or Jesus sending his disciples out, these instructions were detailed. There were enough information for them to take the next step. And I think the only way we're going to hear from God with clarity in our prayers is if we follow this pattern. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything for this is God's will for for you in Christ Jesus. Well, what would it look like to pray constantly? Well, I think it starts with just a a daily devoted time, that we're committed to a daily devoted time of just you and God. Well, all relationships require regular devoted time. No relationship survives a lack of connection. You're praying constantly. That's going to build your relationship with God. The, the other thing is that we engage with God at every step of our day. and that Maybe that seems daunting at first, You know, I don't think it necessarily means that we have to pray about every single detail. Like, I don't think God cares what color shirt you wore today. Maybe he's interested. I think he likes the color. You know, he made it. But I think that God, I think that it does mean for us that we actually get out of you know the cycle of our day where we're we're chasing after our goals and our plans. We actually pop our head up and ask God, "Hey, God, what are you up to today? How can I join you in what you're doing?" For me, I've had to set a reminder on my phone that, that goes off you know every so often, and it gets me out of the cycle of, of being stuck in my own plans and my own, my own purposes. Maybe that's something we all should start doing. And hopefully it develops a pattern and a habit for us to to go to God on a regular interval and starts being shorter and shorter intervals, minute by minute, second by second, where actually we get to the point where we recognize God's voice when he's talking to us and that we allow him to actually interrupt us in our plans. I think if we base our understanding of prayer on the biblical pattern, it actually looks more like a two-way conversation with full sentences. Imagine what that would be like to have that kind of conversation with God. Now, I recognize that all of this may be tough for some of us here. You might be in a season where you feel like God's not speaking to you. And I know what that feels like. I know the feeling of isolation that can cause, the feeling of shame and guilt, the feeling of not being loved. And I just want to throw out a few thoughts for us to wrestle with in regard to that. You know, this season, it might be about you working on your relationship with God. God's not giving you the next thing for you to do because God's actually more interested in your relationship with him than what, what you can do for him. Now, if you're like me, you you need a job to feel useful. You need something to do to actually feel like you're lovable. And I wrestle with this. And I'm reminded Again, again, Romans 5, that God loved me. God loved us. Even when we're in the depths of our sin, there's nothing I did to earn or garnish that love. He chose to love us. And maybe this is the very thing that God's working on before you can move on with him. And I'd say if you're in this season, just keep asking him, God, what are you doing, and how can I join you? And wait and watch and see. See what God does. Listen for his voice. In the meantime, you you can do what you know God's told you to do. Love God, love others. And this season might be about just being faithful with the little things before he moves you on to the next big thing. This season also might be about you having too much in your life. There's too much noise going on, or maybe you even have sin in your life that's keeping you from hearing with clarity God's voice. I just want to reiterate, God's not trying to hide his agenda from you. Amos 3.7, The Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. He never does anything until he reveals what he's doing. There might be things you might, might need to say no to, right? Especially if that's sin. But maybe there are things you need to say no to, to to actually have the bandwidth to hear with clarity. I know that I've been living in a place the last six months of, of doing too much, I've been actually doing it under my own strength thinking that I I can somehow carry all this weight and I've stopped listening to God because I'm God I'm busy I'm doing stuff for you. But God's calling me to sit be still to listen to find out what he's doing and join him in his plans. I'm just going to throw up a few things for us to take home. Um, number one, no matter where you're at in your relationship with god there's always there's always room for it to grow. So, just to take a, an inventory of how that's going, are you spending time daily in the text? Are you spending time daily in prayer? Are you praying throughout the day as you go through your your work schedule? The second thing. Start a prayer journal. It's not something that I've had as a discipline in my life, and it's something that I've tried to start doing. Actually, through the Experiencing God workbook, I've engaged with it, and and I've felt an improvement in my prayer life, that that there's something about writing it down. I I don't know what that is, but I'd encourage you to engage with it. You can use the prayer journal journal template that they've got in the workbook it's just answering, uh, or three steps. First thing is to answer the question, Was the most meaningful statement or, or scripture you read today? Then go about reading, rewording that statement in, or scripture into a prayer of response to God. And then answer the question, what does God want you to do in response to it? What kind of commitment do you need to make? And the final thing is to find other believers to engage with, to, to read the word together, to pray together. These are the kinds of things that are going to help build our relationship. Remember, these are just tools. The goal is to, to develop a, a relationship with God where the conversations flow, where you, you learn to communicate with God, to move in a place of living out the oneness you have with God. And as we move in our time of communion, there's going to be a couple of... Uh, people that come up with uh, the communion cup. So if you didn't grab one on the way in and you want one, go ahead and raise your hand and they'll, they'll hand one out to you. But I want us to wrestle with a couple of questions. Do we have a relationship with God that is real and practical and personal? And if you don't, or if it's something you feel like you need to improve on, what are the steps you need to do to, to get there, to make it a more to make it more of a reality in your life? Let's go to God.